Third Shift presents The Imposter's Guide to Gaming, your quick fix for gaming news. Here are your hosts, Eric and Matt. Welcome to episode two of The Imposter's Guide to Gaming. We got news on some stuff from PAX East, we got some sales numbers for you, and we got some Mass Effect Andromeda talk. I'm your host, Matt. With me, as always, is Eric. And before we roll into the top five releases, Eric, you owe the fans, and you owe me an apology, dude. Yeah, I know. I was in a fever dream, okay? (laughs) And I could have swore through some magical being that Persona 5 was indeed coming to the Nintendo Switch. It is Mm -hmm. not. It will stay a PlayStation exclusive at this time. So, unfortunately, I was wrong. Oh my goodness, I still blame somebody else because I could have swore I seen it. Now, I, I could have sworn I saw it too, but I forgot the golden rule, never trust an Eric. That's right. So, Damn there it. you go. Going forward, we know. Mm-hmm. So there you are, moving on, holy cow. Yep, let's check out what's new on the shelves this week. Top 5 Releases Number 5 this week, I got Danganronpa 1 and 2 Reload. Because I am a big fan of crazy Japanese stuff. This is a combo pack of the first two Danganronpa games, which are previously only available on PS Vita. Now you can play them on your PS4. This is kind of a a trial-based game, so all you fans of Phoenix Wright, all the Ace Attorney games, I've heard nothing but good stuff about this, so definitely check that out. At number four, we got Blaster Master Zero, released March 9th for the Nintendo Switch. Hey, everybody, if you're looking to go get a flash from the past... Playing an old Blaster Master redone. It is based off the original for the Nintendo. And it's a wonderful story about a little boy who gets lost, loses his frog, jumps in a hole, voila, finds a magical freaking little truck and goes on a wonderful adventure. If that sounds like something down your lane, holy mackerels, check it out. Number three, we got Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Wildlands. Big open world tactical shooter from Ubisoft. This dropped on the 7th, actually, the same time as our last episode. I heard people going nuts about the beta for this. Seems like the full release is a little bit buggy, but, you know, wait for some patches on that, maybe. This drops for uh, PC, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One, so if you're into some tactical shooting, go grab that up. Number two, we got Nier Automata, sequel to the original action RPG. This game is brought to you by Platinum Games and Square Enix for PS4 and PC. I've uh, been seeing a lot of good stuff on this, saying the combat is... Well, what you would expect from Platinum Games, all kinds of crazy, stylish action here. Just like the original, this one has all kinds of different kind of gameplay modes. Apparently it goes into, like, text adventure, shoot 'em up all kinds of crazy stuff. This game also dropped on the 7th, so if you're up for a crazy, kooky kind of Japanese good time, like I always am, grab this one up. And for number one this week, we've got Mass Effect Andromeda. It'll be releasing on the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC, developed by BioWare and published by Electronic Arts. This is the long-awaited continuation of the Mass Effect story. If you haven't played through the previous three, you don't need to, however. This takes place about 600 years after the original trilogy took place, so you don't have to worry about knowing all the past But if you do, there's going to be apparently a lot of Easter eggs and fun little things for you inside of that wonderful game. This game releases March 21st, 2017. If you're excited about it, make sure you go pick it up. And if you want to hear more about it, stay tuned. So that's what's up on the shelves this week. Rolling on into the topics we've got. Number five. 
I'll kick us off with number five this week. I've got a three-pack of indie games from PAX East that we've seen some some footage. People got some hands-on. Wanted to kind of wrap these up real quick in a number five for you. Uh, first up, we got Mr. Shifty by Team Shifty and Tiny Build Games. This is from an Australian development studio. People have been saying this game is a lot like if you took Hotline Miami but you made Nightcrawler from the X-Men the protagonist. It's top-down. You're trying to clear floors out of enemies, but in this game, you've got like a, you know, a little like teleport ability. You can bounce through walls and bounce back. All kinds of stylish action here. You can kick the doors down and, you know, knock people out, punch people out of windows, all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, just just me saying it isn't really going to sell it well enough. you got to go watch the trailer. Uh, it's It looks ridiculously fun. I highly recommend everybody go check that out. Next up in my Indie 3 pack, I've got Cosmic Star Heroin, another game that I kickstarted and I'm, you know, kind of pretty close to. By Zeboid Games, who are the people who brought you Cthulhu Saves the World, Breath of Death 7, and Episodes 3 and 4 of the Penny Arcade games. So those have all been humorous, kind of like throwback RPG games. This one's basically more of the same. It's kind of like a Super Nintendo slash Genesis JRPG. A lot of Chrono Trigger vibes here. All kinds of characters you can play as. Launches for PS4 and PC in April, and the soundtrack of this is also actually very awesome. Brought to you by Hyperduck Soundworks, who are the same people who did the Penny Arcade episodes 3 and 4. So go check out a trailer. You'll hear all the awesome like cyberpunk-style music. Very cool game. I'm looking forward to that. Wrapping up my Indie 3-pack, we got Hand of Fate 2 by Defiant Development. I, again, was a huge fan of the first game, which is basically a combination of a deck builder game, a roguelike, and an action RPG. Basically what happens is you're playing against a dealer who shuffles up a deck of cards for each... Like if you're going up against a boss, he shuffles up a deck of all the encounters, equipment, shops, and all this other kind of stuff you can encounter during that boss level. He lays it all out and you move your token across and flips over a card, you know. Move one, flip over. Oh, you encountered, you know, a fairy in the woods and... A dialogue screen comes up, and you basically have like a little choose-your-own-adventure style thing. Yeah, it's like a D&D generator, basically. Exactly. That sounds pretty yeah. awesome. I've actually always thought of why haven't they done something like that. Yeah, and, and Hand of Fate 1 was amazing. I especially liked, even if you're, you know, you're going through to try and kill this boss, but you fail, but you still find new cards, you can kind of shuffle those back into the deck and have a higher chance of... You know, maybe you flip over the helm of the gods or whatever, and so you can get that on your next playthrough. Or here's an encounter I know, you know, if I answer it right, the hobbit will give me a shield, which I can use in the actual gameplay section. So I'm definitely going to have that in every deck going forward. So you can really customize your own experience with this. It's a lot of fun. Looking forward to the sequel. They got new fighting styles, new companions, new encounters, new uh, new suits of cards, all kinds of good stuff. I've heard a closed beta is coming in April, but I don't have any solid details on that. But this will be coming to PC, PS4, and Xbox One. So there you go. Three awesome games. We got to see some stuff from at PAX East. Go check them out when they come out. Man, getting me interested, man. Wow. Number four. So this one is about Nintendo Switch. It's out in the wild, released March 3rd, as we talked about last episode, well, it did pretty darn good. In its first week, it sold roughly 1.5 million units worldwide. It's nice. Nintendo's officially said, yes, that this console is the 
fastest selling console they've ever put out in the Americas, Europe, and Australia, but of course not Japan. And I'm going to assume the reason for that is because Japan's moved heavily into mobile. So I think consoles over there are just not doing so well, period, anymore. But of course, that's me conjecturing. Who knows? And what do we know? Never trust an Eric. Yes. I, I will say, I think Nintendo's one of those companies that will probably have more solid sales for actual consoles than a lot of the others. But like you said, conjecture land time, put your tinfoil hat on. Yeah. And don't trust an Eric. That's right. Also, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild was a huge force in this whole situation because it's been released that 89% of Switch owners also purchased that that title when they purchased the system. So you can only imagine how well or not well they might have done without having the Breath of the Wild for the Switch come out at the same time. That's a huge number, and I suspect that a lot of people bought the Switch specifically so they could play Zelda while, as we talked about, on the road, at work, etc., etc. Oh, I can guarantee that's the case. I mean, I'm not a big Zelda fan, but I've seen how nuts people go when a new Zelda comes out. So to have that kind of killer app as, you know, a launch game on your new console, it can do nothing but help. It most certainly did. And then lastly, for the Nintendo Switch, there obviously is no more able to be purchased. They're coming out very, very, very slim right now. But Nintendo has just stated that from now till March 2018, they were originally... Uh, looking to put out 8 million new units. But since they've seen the success of this thing, they want to go ahead and double that number at least to 16 million units by March 2018. So for those of you nice. who are now starting to go, well, hey, maybe I should get this, or have been kind of waiting, you know, hoping for like the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, the new Mario Brothers itself, uh, Splatoon 2, whatever, don't worry. More copies are being made. It looks like it ain't going to be such a big deal here in the coming future. So everybody that wants one should hopefully be able to get one here soon. Unless you're holding out for Persona 5. In which this is case, never oh. coming. Thanks for saying that one more time. But I did hear good stuff. You did mention Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I saw some report, I think it was on IGN, saying that it was like the most fun they've ever had with a Mario Kart. Even you know when you split off the two Joy-Cons and you're playing it you know, with a single Joy-Con, they said there was no... No loss of functionality or anything, and it just played exactly as smooth as it would when you're holding the normal controller. So, Hey, sounds good to me. I've also heard good reports on the Battle Royale, which is a, oh, a yeah. throwback to the original Mario Kart for the NC. Well, I shouldn't say original, because the Super Nintendo is obviously the original, but yeah. you know, the true classic Mario Kart N64. Yes. Mm-hmm. Number three. Number three this week is another item that people got their hands on at PAX East. It's Rocket League's drop shot mode. Now, for anybody who doesn't know what Rocket League is, it's basically a giant soccer game with, like, rocket-powered cars. And they've done all kinds of other modes, too. They did, like, a hockey mode. They did a hoops mode. And, you know, this is... For me, Rocket League has always been one of those games. You can jump in and play and just have a blast, even not knowing what you're doing. But if you put in enough time and effort, you can get really, really good. And you can see videos online about, you know, from all these really awesome players doing all kinds of crazy acrobatic stuff, flying in the air, knocking ball, knocking the ball down and, you know, all these crazy shots. But what they showed off was their new drop shot mode at PAX East, 
This is another unique mode from them in that there are no goals on any sides of the arena. So it's not like hockey. It's not like soccer or basketball. This is kind of like their weird take on volleyball in a sense because it splits the arena in half. So each each floor is, you know, the blue team and the orange team's colors. So the way to score in this mode is if you and your teammates juggle the ball in the air, it'll power it up a little bit more. And then when it lands on the opposing team's side of the court it'll activate a panel. And once that panel is activated, if you hit it again, it'll knock the panel out, and now there's a hole in the floor. So you, if you get the ball into the hole, that's how you score points. And the more times you and your teammates hit the ball, it charges it up with more and more energy. So if you hit it, say, three or four or five times, you charge it all the way up. Instead of just activating one panel on the floor, it'll activate like seven or nine and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. So you can knock out this giant hole in the floor, make it really easy for you and your team to score. Now what happens, Matt, when you knock that hole in the floor? Does the other team get to utilize that at all, or are they working to counter that? Or So you knock that hole in the floor, but it's not really like a hole that you can't drive into. Like your opponents can still drive over top of it. Okay. I know, that makes more sense. So you can kind of goaltend and, you know, okay, there's a hole here and a hole here, so Bill and Steve have to man those two areas. And then you can only score on your opponent's field. So if, you know, the ball lands on, you know, you charge it up and it lands on your area, it doesn't do anything. They have to charge it up, knock it into your place. But then the other cool thing that they said in this new mode is once you score, it resets the opponent's side of the field. So you knock the giant hole in their floor, you knock the ball in. All right, now you have to activate the panels, destroy them again, and get the ball in the hole again to score. So you can't really snowball a lot in this mode. Hey, we knocked out all their panels, and now all we have to do is just plink it over there Mm -hmm. and it falls in to win. But after you score, it resets your opponent's side of the board, but it doesn't reset yours. So they have a chance to come back. If, you know, they've knocked a couple holes but couldn't get it in, well, now you scored, it doesn't reset the playing field entirely. So they've got a good chance to come back. From everything you're explaining to me, first off, I'm not a really great, I'm not even a good Rocket League player. In fact, I've only played it a couple times because I was terrible and it wasn't my jam. So you explained this to me. I was like, man, I have a hard enough time just getting it into the goal in normal Rocket League. And Mm. this sounds like it's even more complicated in a sense because you actually have to work together to juggle the ball to make the panels explode to get it large enough to where you actually have a you know decent shot of scoring. And then, of course, as you said, the other team gets to stack it their way a little bit, so you're not completely screwed. I don't know. This seems like you have to be coordinated and decent at the game already to pick up and play. I understand where you're coming from when you say that, but I feel like this is almost an easier version of the regular like soccer mode because you don't have to be able to hit it into a specific, you know, little hole in the wall. That's true. To score a goal. You, all you really have to do is stay on your side, bump it back to the other side, and even if it's not, you know, super charged up to take out, you know, the entire field, you'll still be activating the panels as the ball's bouncing around. One, 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 one. Yeah. You've at least got a chance to contribute. And look, I knocked it over there and, you know, even if you just got one panel, you at least did something. And I think this seems like it would be a little bit easier to score because you don't necessarily have to jump up in the air and slam the ball down into the hole. I've seen, I think on the reveal trailer they showed, you know, the ball will just roll across and then drop down into the hole if the hole's there. If it's not being guarded. Yeah, as long as you can 
bounce it off the wall or just keep it level and rolling, it'll drop into the hole okay. So I could see high skill players being really dominant at this, but I think it also is sort of easy enough for new players to get into. So I'm looking forward to it. I don't know. I just I can definitely see like a, a couple you know two player team coming in coordinated, and then you got your other guy who's just like you said brand new, just blinking yeah. it around, putting random holes all over the place, and then never getting it to the two that are coordinated and trying to bounce it off one another. I I, I mm. can see some frustration and a little bit of uh, angry talk with that happening. That's but of course that would happen regardless. You know, because as yeah. you said, getting it to the goal is hard enough. So yeah, there's there's definitely that skill slash easiness for all of the modes in Rocket League. So I think if people jump on this when it launches on the 22nd, before everyone you know figures out the optimal strategies and you know all the really good players come and dominate this mode, I think if you jump in with everybody, if you got Rocket League, it's a free download. So there's no reason not to play it as soon as it launches. Well, they always are because Rocket League's the mm-hmm. bomb. I think that first week or two, you'll you'll have a lot of, you know, good competition as people try and figure out how to do this, just like with all the other modes. Uh-huh. Cool. Sounds fun, man. Number two. So everyone's favorite game, Horizon Zero Dawn, has been out in the wild for a couple weeks now, and to report back, Oh my gosh, just as like I said, it is an amazing game. It sold 2.6 million units worldwide, and that includes both physical copies and digital downloads from the PlayStation Store. Now, this is huge because, if you guys all remember, it's a PlayStation exclusive. So, on one system alone, you've got 2.6 million units sold across the board in just two weeks. I, I think we can rest assured that this game is a huge success for Gorilla. I'm sure yeah. those guys have busted out the wine, got the candies out, pizzas, all the good stuff, and are just celebrating like nobody's <laughs> business. Because Killzone... <laughs> Kill- <laughs> it's a pizza party, guys. You did real good. Now go make some fucking DLC. And here's some candy. <laughs> here's a bag of leftover exactly. Easter candy. You did. I got it for discount. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> oh my god. Oh goodness. So yes, it's done fantastic. You know, they've done the kill zones and they've always been moderately successful to just break and even. It's a niche series. So, you know, I'm sure they've had success and been pleasantly surprised with some of those, but this one, they knocked it out of the park. And mm. PlayStation made a great move in investing in them and this particular game because it's fantastic. This is one of those games I think is going to go down in history as if you don't play it, you're missing out. So, everyone, if you do not have this, go and get it. Do yourself a favor. It's just an amazing game. I cannot say it enough. You will mm. enjoy it. But that's not all. Guess what, Matt? What's that? I name? know you're looking forward to this because there's no way you haven't played Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, I've been busy with Yakuza, so... Oh. <sighs> I haven't played it yet. You freaking psychopath. You and your Yakuza and the gorillas and monkeys. Jeez, oh, Pete. Got to feed that gorilla, man. As I was saying, that's not all, boys and girls. It's been said that Herman Holtz, Gorilla Games Managing Director, is indeed, with his team, working on DLC as we speak. He wouldn't go into details, but it is confirmed, everyone, this story is not over, and we will get more in the fashion, shape, or form of some wonderful DLC. Oh yeah, if you thought you were done, 
you're not. I cannot wait to hear more about it. And of course, whenever we hear more about it, we'll be right here on that hype train ready to tell you all about it. Number one. Number one this week, what else could it be? It's Mass Effect Andromeda, like we told you guys earlier in the episode. Uh, The latest in the long-run series from BioWare and EA. The first non-direct sequel in the series as well. Uh, This one takes place about 600 years in the future. Takes place right between 2 and 3. Yes, correct. When you go off on a mission to populate the Andromeda galaxy. So after 600 years of travel in cryosleep, you and your crew and all your buddies wake up to populate the galaxy and, you know, find out all the... All the crazy stuff that's going on there, I'm sure. So it, it is pretty far removed from what happened in Mass Effect 3 and the whole rest of the series. But Hey, but it's going to yeah. be amazing. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. So from what I've heard, there's going to be a crap ton of dialogue in this game. So for oh, yeah. everyone that's interested and loves you know the old school trilogy and wants a lot more RPG in their life, from what I hear, you're going to get double the dialogue that was in any of the other games. So oh, wow. story, story-wise, story that sounds pretty impressive. But, mm. as I'm sure you've heard as well, some of the previews thus far and a lot of different sources that I've been reading through have kind of been, well, I played the game and there's some good and a little bit of meh and I'm not 100% certain I enjoy this yet. Mm. We'll wait and see. That kind of is the gist of what I'm hearing all over the place right now. And obviously, we're two lowly little scrubs, so we don't get to actually play it ourselves. So we have to go off of what we're hearing. And that's got me worried, because this is a whole other team making this particular Mm -hmm. title. So you're not going to get that 100% same one-to-one ratio and flavor that you know the previous team had when they were working on the original trilogy. Yeah, and going off of what people have been saying, the other thing I've heard, you know, I've I've seen videos of like the stilted dialogue and like the weird animations and stuff, but what I've also heard is, you know, this game has like a staggered release embargo, so at the point we're recording this on Sunday, people have only been allowed to talk about like the first few hours, first couple hours of the game, and so they've been saying, well, you know, maybe it gets better, and if it, like, I hope it does, but then... If it does, and they've played further than that, they can't really tell us anyway. So it's a really weird, kind of like, just a really strange situation this whole game is it. Well, you gotta imagine, I mean, the hype of Mass Effect. Everyone's been waiting for this game. Everyone's excited about Mm -hmm. this game. But then you play it, and apparently the story isn't panning out thus far. And, And always remember, this is the first, as you said, couple hours of what they've been allowed to play. By no means does it mean this game's gonna be bad in any way, shape, or form. However... Right. It does have me, and I'm sure others who have read about it, just wondering, I mean, uh uh-oh, did this new team not catch the essence of it? So they got rid of the Paragon and Renegade system, and now they're going with a system much closer to Horizon Zero Dawn, where there's really no good or bad, you're not going to be evil or good, and that's your only choice. So maybe that's kind of changing the way people are thinking while they're playing this game. Maybe they're not getting as invested. I don't know. You know, we've been talking about, oh, maybe the first few hours aren't that great. But, I mean, I've, I've heard this argument from other people, too. It's like, oh, yeah, after, like, 10 hours, it gets really good. Like, with Final Fantasy, what was it, uh, 13. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, after, like, 20 hours, it really opens up. Do I really have to put in 20 <laughs> hours to start having fun? Do I have to put in four or five hours in this game to, yes. you know, yes, really you start having a good time? 
So that's one point. And then the other one is I've heard that people have been describing the story as like a lot more like they keep saying like lighthearted or like a lighter tone than the original trilogy, which was basically, hey, the universe is going to end, save the universe. Well, not to mention you were military in the previous trilogy, whereas yeah. this one you're not. Yeah, basically. So you're just some Joe Schmo. And yeah, so maybe that's what's not hooking people is, hey, you have to go out. And I think basically your, quote, finger's job in this is you're a person who can tell if planets are good for people to live on. And so it's not like a like a big major hook. Oh, I really got to build those farms and build a house for people. You, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Versus, holy crap, giant mechanical monsters from beyond the universe are going to come back and kill us all unless I save the day. So maybe that's another part of it that people really aren't engaging with it because you're not like, you know, this isn't a big universe altering scenario. You're just kind of going out and having an adventure. Mm -hmm. But that also might be proving the fact that you need more time with the game, though. Since this doesn't just jump off into some, well, assuming this doesn't just jump off into some super exciting, important thing, you've got to, it's a slow burn. You're going to go to one of these planets, find, you know, the indigenous species there altercations are going to take place, you know, you're going to get to make some decisions, things are going to happen. Oh, now you're mm-hmm. starting to build your personality and your character. And then, boom, you're going to move forward more, more scenarios, more decisions, and then new mm-hmm. characters, you know, given to you, etc. It's like a rolling rock. Hopefully, it doesn't take Hopefully. 6, 7, 10, 15 hours for it to get rolling into the point where you just can't put it down and have to keep playing. Now, another thing that you just said that I've heard about, uh, you know, building your character and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Well, they've said that, you know, you basically choose like one of two twins to start the game, a male and a female. And they said that unlike, you know, Commander Shepard, which was basically you made that character be what you wanted it to be. They said that each of those characters has a distinct personality. So I'm guessing you're going to have different conversation choices for each one if you play the game. So uh, they haven't specifically said how they're different, but I thought that was another pretty cool thing to bring up, that it's you're not just a total blank slate in this game. You're apparently an actual character, and then you can make the choices how you want, but in that character's way of making those choices. Mm-hmm. I thought that sounded pretty cool. It does indeed, but I have to go with the male in this. You know, I just can't help myself. Got to oh, court man. them pretty ladies, man. Well, that's well. You can do that as the lady too. I'm sure. Well, you're right. Actually, I could. I could be a lady court and our lady. Bam! You can do anything you want. I always played. Well, I I played both in the original trilogy. I'd play the male as a good guy and the woman as a, just an evil bitch. I always enjoyed the female playthrough more, not just because I was being evil and just shooting everybody, but it was Jennifer Hale was the voice actress and she did a phenomenal job as female Shepherd. That's what I've heard. I've I've heard she's the true shepherd, the the way to go. But hey, oh, yeah. I had a ton of fun, and you know what? I'll always love you, Miranda. Don't worry. So yeah, we've heard some good things. We've heard some bad things. We've got some hopes. Well, you know, Matt. Once everyone gets their hands on this, this game's going to be officially out in the wild. So That's basically, true. a day after this, we're going to see all sorts of reviews up for all the individuals who've already played through it. Which there are a ton mm-hmm. of them, because you know, as we said. A lot of people just can't say what they want to say yet. Yeah. I think the cat will be out of the bag, and we're all going to know whether this game is going to make it or not. Yeah, I definitely think this is one you got to wait for the reviews on, just because the weird technical issues I've been seeing, which may just be the preview build, so who knows, but we'll know for sure 
once the actual reviews drop and the game's out in the wild. Well, but man, if they don't re- they don't go pre-order, man, they're going to get all them cool pre-order bonuses. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, hey, pre-order discussions that's, are a whole other topic. That's a whole other thing. All right, we'll day. save that for another day and another time. <laughs> well, that about covers it. Uh, I hope this game is good yep. for the sake of my memory and my love of Mass Effect. And mm-hmm. I will say, in, in parting... A few times I've heard that the PC version is by far the best version. This typically is always the case, but I did want to just mention on air right here that from what I'm hearing, the PC version is the way to go if you have that option available. I've been hearing from those preview people who have super awesome PCs that this is probably the best-looking game they may have ever seen. And I I do want to mention that, too, is, you know, I've seen visual bugs and stuff, but it still looks in general... And sounds freaking amazing from what I've seen. So that their high production values haven't been skimped at all on this. It, it looks gorgeous. Good. I look forward to it, and I hope everybody else tells me that it's going to be good to go because it's got me scared, man. I love Mass Effect, uh, and I want it to be good. <laughs> yep. So we shall see dropping in uh, the same time this podcast That's does right. on the twenty first. Yeah, oh boy. Other than that. Guess it's time for the wrap-up. Yeah, let's end it up, man. Imposters wrap-up. So yeah, that's all we got time for this week. So as we say in the intro, this podcast is brought to you by Third Shift. So if you've guys got any questions for us, any comments on anything we've discussed this week, you can email that to us at info at thirdshift.me. You can tweet it at us at thirdshiftme, or you can find us on Facebook under Third Shift. I'd like to thank you guys all for taking a listen. We appreciate each and every one of you, as you already know. And if you don't already know, well, now you do. So make sure you guys tune in next time, and that'll be April 4th for the next episode of The Imposter's Guide to Gaming. And with that, as always, Matt, don't Don't forget forget to to save. save.